Good morning, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. I'm so pleased that you have decided to spend a little bit of time with me this morning. Now this episode is the third part of uh, a number of episodes on doubt. I wanted to explore doubt. Doubt is something that very often does not get explored in the church, does not get talked about, does not get airtime. Why? It's actually quite a difficult thing to talk about because what you don't want to do is talk about something that could hinder someone else. You could have someone in the room who's not doubting. Uh, and now we're going to talk about doubt and suddenly they're doubted because of things that have just been said. So it's it's a difficult topic to explore and I think it's appropriate to do it in a, in a safe environment. Uh, so we're exploring, uh, presuming I'm a safe environment, um, we're exploring again this morning doubt now if you've not listened to last week's episode interview with Kat from uh, the Instagram about doubt I'd love you to pause this episode go back listen to last week's episode before you listen to this one because her story on doubt is just wonderful here is an incredible young woman who has struggled with doubt for years and years and years and that struggle has not meant that she has removed Jesus or walked away from Jesus. In fact, her struggles have brought her to a better place where her faith is in a stronger position now uh, than she would say it, it was. Her faith is something that she hasn't deconstructed. It's something that she has worked with and, and, and shaped and wrestled with and engaged with. And she today, you know, loves the Lord, uh, loves Jesus. So I'd love to invite you to listen to that episode before you listen to this one. It was so much, it was such a good episode. Um, this will be in the shadow of last week's episode. So definitely listen to this one uh, second. So we're going to explore the topic of, uh, of doubt. We're going to look at, uh, I want to talk about the grief cycle for a moment and how that relates to doubt. We're going to talk about uh, what does belief mean? What does doubt mean? And what is true faith? Uh, so I hope you find this interesting. If you know anyone that this at the moment who's who is struggling uh with doubts uh you might want to point them towards these three episodes uh particularly last week because i just think it might be something that would really encourage them uh you know let people know that that episode is there it may strengthen them in their faith so let's jump straight in as we talk again about doubt So here we go, let's jump straight in with this episode on doubt, this third episode on doubt. I want to start by talking about the grief cycle. Whenever I spend time with someone struggling with their faith, I have found the grief cycle to be incredibly helpful to understand whereabouts they are in that process of struggling with their faith. So the grief cycle is this. So if you were to lose a loved one that you, uh, gen you know, it's this is a parent, grandparent, partner kind of, the, the, the grief cycle will be something like first denying it's not happened. It's not happened. No, you're lying to me. They haven't gone. Uh, why would you say that? It's denial of the reality of the situation. The next step is anger. Anger at whose fault is this? Anger at the medical teams, the, the anger at whoever was the perpetrator. Anger at, at the situation and looking for whose fault is it. 
So they go from denial to anger. The next part of the grief cycle is depression. Uh, what am I going to do? It's all falling apart. Uh, what, a, what a mess am I in? Uh, how, I'll never get through this. I feel like I'm in a black hole. Depression. Denial. Anger. Depression. The, the next part is, is bargaining. And uh, often what you see with people who are grieving is they, they start bargaining, trying to bargain. Uh, I wish it was me that had gone. I wish it was uh, my life that was taken, not theirs. Uh, I wish, or uh, if it's, um, you know, something that's more, uh, you know, like a theft that's happening, you know, bargaining, um, I, we will give a thousand pounds if this item comes back. You know, it's that kind of bargaining for, uh, can I do something about this? It's like clutching at straws. Is there some way of me potentially being able to uh, change this scenario? bargaining and the final part of the grief cycle is acceptance i am okay with what has happened i don't like it but i accept it uh and get into that place of okay this is where this is where we are right now denial to anger anger to depression depression to bargaining bargaining to acceptance i find that cycle very interesting because many people that i spend time with are somewhere um not many but you know people i spend time with who are struggling with their faith will be somewhere in this grief cycle uh, either they deny it they say i'm okay everything is fine i just need to worship and one of the worst people we had uh for a period of time in one of our small groups uh, was somebody who could not cope with other people's doubt and their answer to other people's doubt was you just need to get on with it you need to pray and worship through it just push on push on push on and we realized after a long while because a long time to get there to realize that their response was coming out of not the fact that they couldn't cope with what this individual other individual was saying in the small group they couldn't cope with what was happening in themselves. They were denying their own questions and therefore their response was, let's just get our head in the ground and press on and pretend and it will go away. Denial. We can deny uh, that we are doubting and struggling. I'll just put it away. 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 There's a difference between denial and I, I have not got the energy right now to deal with this and I'm just going to park it and bring it back out when, I, when I've got the energy. There's a difference between I'm popping it on the shelf and I will get that back off the shelf to look at that at some point when I have more energy. There's a difference between denial and that. One is like I know I need to look at that but I just don't have the energy. Denial is I am refusing to even go there uh, and it shows weakness if I do. Denial. Anger. Uh, in doubt there are those that hit this anger phase it's their fault if that pastor or that preacher or that church or that book hadn't said this then I wouldn't be where I am now uh, and very often um, people will look at a church as a particular teaching and say I'm in this place now because of them it's their fault and uh, and therefore it becomes anger at a particular tribe of Christian or a particular group of Christians. The next phase is depression, where somebody has 
come to this place of uh, they, they are looking at their grief they've gone through the anger of it but now they're just depressed god has abandoned me and this is where i find so many christians like a lot of people i've spent time with in the last uh, six months have been here depression god's just abandoned me god's given up on me and i guess i've given up on my faith uh this depression this uh, doubt that has led to a place of feeling abandoned rather than seeing god with us we've it reveals that actually our theology is that god is somewhere else and he only draws to us when we've got it all together uh, and i know i do love the story of mishat shadrach and abednego in the fiery furnace uh, i love the fiery furnace I, I love that story in in the old testament in the book of daniel uh, because it's all about god's presence with us in the fire God is present to us. The theology of the Bible is of a God who isn't distant but close. He's with us in the incarnation. In fact, we're told that in Jesus on the cross, uh, when we place ourselves in Christ, we're placing ourselves in and our suffering in the God who too suffers on the cross. In faith, we place ourselves in Jesus wrapped up in him and, and the suffering that he goes through uh, and actually this depression phase it can reveal like our theology our theology being god is somewhere else and god only draws close to me when i have it all together rather than god is with me and i'm in god uh, and therefore um this idea of god has abandoned me uh, just reveals a, a deeper underlying theological issue that we might have in our brains like in our minds and people get to this place of well i guess i've lost my faith it's all gone it's all gone there's nothing good here there's nothing left and you see this with people who have got depression they just can't see the good they can't see the positive they can't see what they do have uh they see all of what they don't have and there's that this place in doubt of bargain of depression which is god has abandoned me i guess i've lost everything there is nothing left there's nothing worth holding on to uh, and that's a horrible place to be because it's just you can see it when they're in it it's, it's just not true like you may be in a dark place but there isn't like there isn't no hope it's 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 just you're trapped in something and then from that depression they move to a bargaining place maybe if i go to church more then i'll get through this maybe if i read the bible more i'll get through this maybe if i worship more i will get through this maybe if i pray more i'll get through this maybe if i go to a christian conference i will get through this maybe if i get a new christian book i will get through this bargaining 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 uh and actually there's something honorable in that place you know maybe if i could learn more i'd understand more if i understand more i might therefore not have less doubt with this but it's a bargaining phase and then you've got finally acceptance uh, where we come to the realization that we are we are content with where we are at and from this place that where we are at we accept it we receive it and therefore we might be able to do something about it or what am i going to do about it so in acceptance our doubts are uh, here we have them it's uh, reality what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Uh, Marcus Borg, I find this guy just, uh, I love his name, Borg. Marcus Borg, uh, American theologian, says this, without questioning, faith is idolatrous. It's just an idol. If we're not questioning our faith, 
that our faith is nothing more than an idol. It's just this blind acceptance without any real understanding or challenge or thought or reflection. And I think this is interesting because I've known a couple of people who um, this denial that I was just talking about, just sticking the head in the ground, I think what was being revealed there was a fear of questioning and a faith that had become an idol in itself rather than a robust, real, uh, grounded uh, thing. So without questioning, faith is idolatrous. And he says, let me explain. When faith is defined as unquestioning acceptance of the tenets or the traditions or the belief, um, whether drawn from the Bible uh, or from doctrine or both, then the subject of faith is no longer God, but the tenets and traditions themselves. So without questioning, faith is idolatrous. When faith is defined as unquestioning acceptance of the things that we believe of the Christian faith, then the object of faith is no longer God, but the tenets and traditions themselves. Religion can become our God. Uh, religion can become our faith rather than a, a living God, a living relationship with God. So questioning is good. And I hope you've heard that in each of these episodes on doubt. Questioning is good. Questioning is good. So let me just explore this. What is belief? What does belief mean for us? And what does doubt mean for us? So let's start with, with belief. What does belief mean? Belief does not mean a blind faith or a blind acceptance. You just don't need to believe it. Uh, you don't need to fake it uh, to believe it. Belief does not mean a blind faith. Believing in Jesus, believing that Jesus died and rose again, believing that Jesus can and does miracles, believing that God created the world and invited us to partner with him in it. Blind faith, um, belief does not mean just accepting it without any question. Belief does not mean that uh, you just have to take it, you're spoon-fed it, and that is it. You receive it and have it. Many churches and church leaders want you to have a blind faith, just a blind acceptance, because then they can tell you what you need to believe, and you should just believe it. Uh, I really want to say that, that the better option is to explore and wrestle. Often I say when I'm preaching, look, we, we're going to preach from this passage. Open it, have it in front of you. Uh, don't just believe me that I say this is here check it out yourself uh, learn yourself my job is to help my congregation explore faith God uh, what we believe about him so it becomes something they can own for themselves and not something they're just told about so so faith does not mean just blind acceptance that's not what belief and faith means belief and faith also does not mean about the lowest denominator uh, belief doesn't mean that you've just got to find the, the lowest benchmark that you can believe. I want belief. I want to inspire you that you can believe things that you don't understand, that you can believe things that are yet to be explored. Belief doesn't mean just going to the lowest denominator, the lowest concept that you can you can uh, manage and just accepting that. Uh, which leads to my, my third thing. Belief does not mean you have to understand it all to accept it. Belief does not mean that you have to have everything all wrapped up uh, to, to understand it. Belief is um, 
for me, that there's a collection of things that are central to my belief that I hold firm to. And then there's things on the edges of that that I say, Do you know, these things I'm wrestling with. Uh, but I don't let go of the whole because I'm struggling with these things on the edges because I know the things in the middle, the central things here are true. Um, so belief doesn't mean you have to accept all of it or you need to understand it all to accept it. You can accept the Christian faith because you believe that the central tenets, the, the central building blocks of it, and, and therefore the things that you struggle with, you, you can hold those uh, intention just hold those there so belief does not mean that you have to understand it all belief does not mean a blind acceptance either you don't need to switch your brain off to believe this so let's just move to doubt for a moment doubt does not mean that you're losing your faith and you have to give it all up doubt does not mean that you are losing your faith and you have to give it all up. Doubt actually can be a maturing of your faith. In the seasons when I've doubted and struggled with God, I, that those seasons have led me to a stronger new place where I found a robuster understanding or revelation of who God is. So doubt does not mean losing your faith. If you're struggling with doubts, you don't need to put it in the box of, well, I'm losing that, okay? So doubt does not mean you're losing your faith. Two, doubt does not mean that you have to become more liberal. Uh, and, and this, I really wanna hammer this, this home. So there's a number of books that I've read in the last couple of years about a new form of Christianity or a, a, or a place of faith after doubt and what these books generally rely on is this idea uh, that if you are struggling with faith believing in faith uh, then there is a more liberal version of Christianity uh, that you could accept and this idea that um, if you deconstruct your faith and take all your faith all apart and take out some of the contents you can put it back together and create a more liberal version uh, of Christianity that you can make palatable. And I think it's this palatable idea that just really bothers me because if God is true and real, we don't need to make him palatable. He's just true. And if he's revealing to us who he is and his nature and he's true, and through that revelation, scripture has been brought to us from God, his word. Then I have this scary, if we start trying to deconstruct it, we're going to be moving away from what he has revealed about himself. So we have to be able to come not to what I can receive as palatable, but we have to come to what he says about himself. One will move towards liberalism and the other will move towards truth who who God is and I think this is the just because something's true doesn't mean it's easy to grasp just because it's true doesn't mean it's easy to receive uh just because it's true doesn't mean it will all make sense it just means it's true if you want it to make sense then you may go towards a more palatable version 
which may just move you away from the truth and more to a liberal uh, end. Now, when I talk about liberal, I'm talking about liberal theology, liberal understanding of God. I don't mean politically liberal. Uh, you know, I would say that I am theologically conservative, but more politically liberal. Um, for, for, for me, those two things aren't in contrast. So I'm, I hold on to scripture as as the word, the script, the teachings that God has given us, I hold on to that firm and true stuff in there that I may struggle with, but I will wrestle with it. While politically, I have much more of a liberal uh, outworking because of Jesus Christ, what I see him do in scripture, how he behaves towards the other. Uh, I, so those two things for me come together. So for me, doubt does not mean that you have to become more liberal nor does it mean you have to deconstruct your faith till you've got very little left and you're left with nothing. So I have a struggle with friends of mine. They they know I struggle with this. They would say to me, Chris, I was once an evangelical and I struggled with my doubts of what that teachings were. Therefore, I have matured in my faith to a new place. Uh, and this place... Uh, faith adds up for me but when you look at what it means it just means that they have a more liberal um, uh, anything goes essentially gets this place of where where anything goes and and this really worries me because if it's true then we don't need to remove from it uh, we we just need to hold it. And I think this for me is I want to encourage us to hold on to what we believe. Hold on to it whilst at the same time holding on to with tension the things that we don't. The things that cause us to maybe doubt our faith or we struggle with our faith. Hold on to those things. So in one hand you have all the things that you believe. Uh, you understand this makes sense to me one hand I get this hold on to that whilst at the same time in the other hand holding on with tension the things that you don't you don't have to throw out the things that you believe because of the things that you don't believe neither do the things that you believe have to become more liberal or or fluffy because of what you don't believe uh, so if it's true then we have to approach it as truth and therefore hold the things that you struggle with, not with a blind faith, but with a, I want to play with this. I want to understand this. I want to explore this so that I may come to a place where some of these things I may understand them better. Now, there may be seasons where you move things from I believe this to the I doubt this in the other hand, because as you start to wrestle with things, things may move around a little bit. That's not a problem. But, but hold on to what you believe as well as holding on to the tension of things that you don't believe without throwing the whole thing out. So let's start with Jesus. Let's start with the things that we can cling on to and, and, and not start with a deconstructed faith. So um, one of the things that I see my friends do is they take the whole thing apart and then they try to start putting this thing back together. Uh, uh, but, but they're almost taking christ out of the center of that whole process like if we believe that jesus is lord if we believe that jesus died and rose again like the the, the central uh cogs of this thing we got that in the middle 
uh, then everything else around that can be like building blocks of which we add it in and we can add it in and we can add it in and add it in and, and slowly build up our faith uh, to become something that's that's uh, stronger. Often with deconstructing Christianity, what people do is they take the whole thing apart, they're left with all the fragments of the bits and they then don't know really what to do with it or how to put it back together. Without Christ... Uh, at the center and i would say you know the trinity father son and holy spirit this outworking of god in three persons if we've got this in the center then everything else we can kind of plug it in you imagine a lego brick plugging it in plugging that tenant in that belief in and that practice in so belief does not mean blind faith it does not mean going to the lowest denominator of what that faith could could be uh belief does not mean that uh, you have to understand it all neither does doubt mean that you are losing your faith neither does doubt mean that you have to become more liberal uh, those things aren't true either so I just want to explore this just as I finish uh, now what is true faith what is faith what what is this thing um, what does the bible mean by that phrase faith now the main verse in the bible that is used to define faith is found in Hebrews 11 chapter 1 Hebrews 11 chapter 1 and it says this now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see that's the NIV translation of this passage faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see and, and what concerns me about that translation of of um, of what faith is here in the NIV it does seem to have this kind of feeling of hope for and do not see just believe it so it is almost um saying blind faith you do gotta have some blind faith here uh it reminds me of the indiana jones uh scene when indiana jones has to step over the gorge but there's an there's a hidden pathway and he just has to have the faith to step out and then the path would be in front of him uh and uh, my concern about niv translation of that is this idea that uh, faith is about hoping for something that we don't see and it's just blind faith and i actually do not like the king james version of the bible do not like it but i do kind of like the way that they've translated in the modern version hebrews 11 1 i don't use the king james bible uh generally uh it doesn't work for me as a translation and as somebody who loves the greek and the hebrew don't work because it's not translated from it uh it's translated from the latin but the way they've translated this hebrews 11 1 i do like it says this so it says that faith is this now now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of the things not seen and i love that the evidence of the things not seen doubt says we do not see things and therefore we just have to believe it and i can't just believe it therefore i doubt hebrews 11 says faith is this substance of the things that we are hoping for and the evidence of things not seen the evidence we have to ask question this evidence we doubt the blind faith. We have a faith, faith based upon an event in time. It's an event that we can research, we can visit, we can see, and we can read about. This event, the life of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus, is evidence of this faith that we believe. 
this event, Jesus's life, his mission, his ministry, his teachings have left evidence all over the place. Evidence in texts, books, but also evidence in a city and a place. So let me talk about texts and books. Well, you've got the Bible. Yeah, Jesus is definitely in the Bible. Did you know Jesus is written about in other texts? Texts that were written about not by Christians, but by non-Christians. There's a Jewish Roman uh, historian called Josephus who writes about Jesus and the Christians. He mentions Jesus's brother, James. Uh, there's evidence in other non-Christian, non-biased texts about Christianity. Uh, and, and that's really important for us that there's, there's evidence elsewhere outside of the Bible of the impact in the life of Jesus and his death and resurrection. Evidence in texts, Bible and other literature. There's also evidence in a place, Jerusalem. You go to Jerusalem, you see the evidence of the life of Christ. You see uh, places of worship and uh, holy locations all over Jerusalem where people remember the life of Christ, what Christ did in that place. There's the evidence in, in the locations and the places, which means you can research it. You can go there. You can look at the history. You can explore the substance of the things that we hope for. You can see it and the evidence of the things unseen. So uh, true faith is a faith that does not understand all things and all that we do not see, but is based on evidence of what we do know to be true. So I would add this in. A key piece of evidence for me of, the, of God is the work of the Holy Spirit seeing signs and wonders of his kingdom, seeing miracles, sensing his presence, hearing his voice, these kind of things. Now, if somebody's doubting and they're in that place of depression, it's very likely they're not sensing, they're not hearing, and they're not seeing, they're not experiencing those things. Therefore, we can come back to the solid evidence. What have we seen God do in the past, uh, in our own lives, in others' lives, and historically, but also coming back to this place of... Um, yeah, there's substance here. There's, there's something here that is true about Jesus because we see it in the Middle East. We see his fingerprints all over the place. So true faith is not about blind faith. It is about evidence and it is about substance and it is about stuff that we can get our hands and fingers on. Theological word, stuff. Substance of things hoped for. I want to end just by reading this too. As I read this uh, in the last couple of podcasts, Mark 9, 24. And here is a father wanting to see his son receive a miracle. And he says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Yes, here are the things that I believe. Help me with the things that I don't believe. That is the prayer that we too should be and could be praying. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for the things that we believe in, with things that we can hold on to, where we have seen you before, what we've experienced in the past. We hold on to those things. Lord, I believe. Strengthen us. Help us with our unbelief. Father, would we not reject the whole because of the things that we struggle with? Would we be able to hold on to our faith without becoming more liberal or losing the substance of it? Father, shape our unbelief so it may become belief. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, until next time, grace 
and peace. Thank you.